Welcome to She Loves the Grid, where we discuss all things F1. Whether it's happening on the track, in the paddock, or beyond the grid, we'll talk about it all. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, Diane. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is Claire and Diane, and this is She Loves the Grid, episode 37. I cannot believe it. 37. <laughs> We're in between weeks. Recording on a Sunday, so we're not going to have the the dual recording like last weekend, which I think was kind of cool. Um, it worked. Yeah, it worked. So you know, <laughs> we're hard to talk together, so it was cool. All right, let's let's start off the week, and then let's just dive into it. Maybe we can knock this one out shorter, but oh, there's still a lot to talk about. <laughs> there's um, a lot to talk about. <laughs> How was it was week? good. It was another busy week. My sister was in town all week. So lots of very late nights and um, an 80s party. And <laughs> just of, uh, we had so much fun. My brother's was the best. It was his party. But um, he had the full on Tom Petty, you know, from that don't come around here no more video. And Oh my gosh. It was so much fun, but we all decided we probably pretty much ended up looking just like we did in the eighties. <laughs> like my outfit was pretty representative. My sister's was of her. My cousin was like, this is what I always used to wear. So were you wearing a baby, were you wearing a baby onesie, Diane? Because you know, you're so young in the eighties. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. <laughs> Precisely. What about you? How was your week? It's good. It's, you know, a lot of work. It's getting colder here. So just trying to get used to that, you know, because it's a new place for me to be in cold. Um, yeah. I have a little battery powered hand warmers that I now carry around to keep my hands warm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I watch the weather for you a lot. And I'm like, okay. And then I also watch the other city that I hope to go to. And it's like, ah. <laughs> well, and I will have these with me on our trip to, to Italy in a couple of weeks. It's just a couple of weeks away. I cannot believe. I know, but it's been in the 60s. So, like, Italy, yeah. Well, we'll keep watching it. I also yeah. discovered the only really cool thing I discovered. I don't know if anybody from my work listens to the podcast, but because of our trip and because of my mandatory days I have to take off before the end of the year, I am only working seven days for the month of December. Goals. That's awesome. I'm loving that. Loving that. All right. All right. Let's get into it. So there's some lots of, I, I can't believe the amount of news. Is it normally like this, this much news at the end of the year? I think so. I mean, I think that's pretty typical. And to be honest, I don't even know how on it I was because I was so busy this week. I was barely online or <laughs> like following up on anything. So, but yeah, I think one of the biggest things was Haas had filed a request for review from the um, USGP in Austin, um, claiming that there were a lot of additional track limit violations. And so they wanted they wanted them to review it. They wanted the stewards to review it, um, which would have moved Nico, I think, up into further up into the point because um, they were really targeting like Alex, Albon, Checo, for sure, which I think we had talked about that after the Austin, you know, race. Um, and I think two other drivers, I can't remember who they are. Um, but the stewards did end up declining their request. In part, they said, none of this is really that new. So you kind of should have done it, you know, back at the race. I mean, we have had more races since then. We, we had Mexico and Brazil. And yeah. so now they're just bringing it. Um, 
However, they did say the only person of significance or the only driver that had significant um, track violations was Alex. So he may have been the only driver that they would have targeted. But they, the stewards did say that there is an issue, duh, um, with, with track policing. It's completely unsatisfactory and they called for a change to how track limits are monitored before 2024. So they've got a few months to figure that out. But I mean, I feel like, and granted, I haven't been watching F1 for, you know, that many years, but I feel like track limits was a huge topic this year. Like not, I'm not even starting with, was it not, not Austin, um, Austria, not even starting with that one where it was just a joke, but yeah. I mean, we've talked it really about has it. Been. it. If you go back and look at it, and I'll do that then to your analysis, it, it was a lot. And with all the telemetry and all the data they have in the car, and all the sensors and the GPS positioning and whatnot, there's there's got to be a way that they could better monitor the track the track limits or require a change to the curb. Yeah. So you prevent or you discourage a lot of it because it would do the detrimental aspect of it but yeah i mean he's still a keep is paramount but yeah it's it just it's too much especially with it being so far after the race you know people celebrate that it's like oh no or yeah. you take it out and you have to confide it and then oh wait no that's not it it's just it's yeah it's, it's hard to gain new fans especially the fan base that it sounds like i feel like that they're going for with the netflix special and whatnot and some of the, the pre-game hype they've been doing that seems very American that <laughs> you're getting some fans that aren't going to get deep into all aspects of it you know the strategy yeah. the technology and yeah. all of that and if you want to keep some of that surface fan you can't have all this weird bickering and decisions right. changing and, and all of that because people lose faith and trust yeah absolutely and I do think like the timeliness of calling those is huge. So however they do decide to tackle that, like they just need to get it figured out before 2024 and have like set rules because it can change somebody's qualifying standing. It, I mean, the race standings, like we, yeah, that's a huge thing. And like you said, there's enough technology out there that whether you do sensors or monitors or I don't know, like you even the curbs, which would probably be maybe the easiest. Um, put something down there that the drivers aren't going to want to go through. <laughs> so, like, they need to do something. Um, okay. The other thing that really stood out to me this week, and I was like, oh my gosh, is Red Bull, R the RB20. They are talking about how this car, I mean, Red Bull has been dominant, I think, since 2022. This year, for sure, we've all seen it. But when you go back to 2022, for sure, I think they've been super dominant. But the, the word is out that the RB20 for 2024 is going to have major aerodynamic changes um, and some extreme improvements. And when I read extreme improvements, I was like, like what? Wow. <laughs> I mean, Max's car, for sure, seems to be on point. He's not had any type of failure. Like that car, yes, he has complaints about different parts of it at, on different tracks, but like what extreme improvements are you going to be doing? So here's what they're saying. The vertical load is going to be generated and distributed in a radically different way. The floor is going to function differently. So it's going to adopt a very different 
uh, volumetric. Is that right? Vol is that volumetric. Right? Volumetric. Yeah. Volumetric. I don't know. Confir <laughs> confirmation of the Venturi channel. So underneath, like that is going to, you know, the, the air is going to come in and it's going to be somehow distributing that air differently when it goes, you know, through the car. All I kept thinking is like, Adrian Newey is a freaking genius and apparently doesn't rest on his laurels, which we already know, but like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my I think this to me about the floor. I think I sent you the video about the, the Mercedes thing that's not F1, but it's another thing that they're doing with the world's fastest electric car. I don't think so. I sent it to you. There's this video and it's like zero to, to 60 in like a second, like just and it's an electric car oh and part of it that they talked about in the engineering is to get ready when they start to fire it up it sucks itself down to the ground oh using like it like pulls itself down so when it takes off it has that downforce and traction to just and go it was really i'll find it and it to you it's really fascinating the engineering behind it yeah. and so it makes me think about it, that they're going to talk about having different channels and how they're sucking that in, maybe that isn't an effort to help bring that downforce in using the floor. Yeah. Like I mean, and it's some of it was like, I was like watching like, oh, I bet that's why they do that in F1. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I have to go back and look, cause I don't think I, if you said it, I didn't watch it, but I've been super busy the last uh, month. So. <laughs> but it was, okay. It's really fascinating. It's, it, and it's Mercedes, it's Mercedes research and you know, like engineers in yeah. college and whatnot are doing this, but it was really fascinating. An electric car, zero to whatever in like one second. That's amazing. But That's it also so depended cool. on the driver because when the guy came there and was reporting on it, he weighed, I forget how many kilos more. And so it didn't accelerate as fast because oh. he weighed That's why the drivers are always like in shape, like so in shape and they're it's smaller. And, you know, they're on the shorter side. So there's that too. But yeah, all I kept thinking when I was reading this about the RB20 was like, do you think the other team's engineers are just like, ah, oh, for crying out loud. Like, <laughs> <laughs> here, we've been over here working on our thing and Adrian Newey's come up with a completely radical car. Like, And how many are again, hoping it'll be like the, the Aston Martin? We're doing great. We made us an improvement <laughs> and then we just tanked it. Kind of <laughs> I just feel like that is not easy. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, no. <laughs> not One at all. Yeah. I mean, obviously, by that that picture I showed you of a billionaire who took over the globe, the bolt, the globe in a in Vegas, yeah. <laughs> calling out <laughs> calling out a Red Bull for cheating on yeah. such a very public scale. Very public. <laughs> oh yeah, yay! Oh my goodness. Okay, so Charles and Ferrari are reportedly talking about um, extending his contract. Like they're in negotiations right now for 2024 and beyond. Like, I don't think it's surprising that Ferrari wants Charles for a very long time. Like, you know, he is their main concern. They definitely think he could win a championship with them if they could just give him a car. Um, that would be <laughs> lovely. Um, but, and this also doesn't surprise me, the rumors are that Charles needs to be convinced to stay. And I don't blame him because he has been screwed over by their strategy. <laughs> I feel like it's engineer. The car has had some reliability issues over the last couple of years. Well, Ben, well, ben. this so, year is like, especially, oh my gosh. I don't even know if this year. I feel like the last 
two or three years. Like it's just been brutal for him. So yeah, you better be convincing me if I'm a Charlotte, you better be convincing me to stay. Like I need a lot of reasons and it can't just be about the money. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep our eyes on it. But I honestly can't picture him leaving. I feel like he's synonymous. You know, there's just some athletes that are just like synonymous with their team. And he's one of them, like Charles Ferrari. I think they go together, but we have to do better. We have to do better by Charles. We've got to give a car that he can count on and a strategist and maybe an engineer. Because I can feel like I'm not sure about Javi. <laughs> like, <laughs> there, there were some issues there. We haven't heard too much lately, so maybe it's gotten better. Um, the other thing that was exciting this week is that Haas was saying um, that they are planning to give my little Ollie Behrman um, some more test sessions. So we talked about Ollie a couple weeks ago in Austin. He um, He's actually with Ferrari's Driver Academy, but they kind of loaned him out to Haas. And he did a session and he, he did better than like by a lot, all the other rookies. Um and we know that with uh, Pietro Fittipaldi going to the Indy series, Haas is without a reserve driver. So I'm hoping that these test sessions come through and at least gives him another step up into um, into F1. That would be amazing. So, yeah, and he's just 18 years old, as a reminder. He's only 18. So, <laughs> so hopefully we'll be hearing his name more. Um, but also Liam Lawson. So he continues to have himself quite a racing year. So as we know, he came up when, when Danny Rick broke his hand, Liam Lawson came up to Alpha Tauri, had some really, really good races. Like people were like, give him a seat. That's awesome. Um, but he went back to super formula after that ended. Cause that's where he was. And he just won rookie of the year. So good for him. Like that's exciting. He had a really cool year over there even separate from the few weeks, you know, the few weeks, what was it like six weeks or eight weeks? I don't even remember. He was in F1. He was there for a while. Well, six he weeks. was yeah, it's in for almost eight weeks. It wasn't that many races because of the breaks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. That's cool. I love it. Okay. Sprint races. So we talked about that a little bit last week. We had our own ideas. <laughs> Were they listening? Because they're they considering some of what we talked about, which I yeah. think is really cool. I love it. So the rumors that are going around um, are that there will be a sponsor offering major cash prize for the winners up to $1 million. I don't know if that's like per sprint race or if that's like for, you know, if they do like this whole, like the other rumors that there'd be a standalone sprint championship. So the points from the sprint wouldn't go towards um the F1, total F1 points, it would be its own thing. So I don't know if the million dollars is at the end, whoever wins with the most points, probably max. Um, but <laughs> whoever wins would get that money. I'm not sure. They also are talking about doing the reverse grid for the top 10 and then maybe the whole grid. So I don't know. We'll see. That would but be I, fascinating. That yeah. would be so fascinating. Uh, I, I would love it. I would love it. I would love to see... I, I, I definitely the top 10, but I, yeah. I see some interest in reversing the whole grid because, mm -hmm. you know, the people who 
have not performed well or never get started the front, they're in the front and, you know, see how long they can hold it. How long can they battle? That gives them some experience in that too. But then let's see these guys who say they are it and they are like, we're the best, blah, blah, fight for it. Show me yeah. you can fight for it. You know, yeah. we've seen a couple of them this year because Max and Checo and others have fallen back for whatever reason because of quality. But just, just see it purposefully would be so cool. I think it would be really fun. And I still like our idea of having the one quality and you use that for both the sprint and the race and then reverse the sprint. Like, I agree. Yeah, reverse the order for the sprint. I think that would be so cool. Like, be because then there's even one more. That. Yeah, and you get one more practice, right? Practice twice on Friday, qualify Saturday morning, flip the, the results for the sprint that afternoon for that day. And then those are the, the, the exact results for the next day. It yes. simplifies it. And yeah, I think that's so smart because you don't have the two qualities, which they say, oh, you, then you have to start managing your tires. Like, you know, how do we want to do that? But it puts like so much more emphasis on that's, well, the shootout is what they're calling it. But if you would just have one and it's for both races, it puts a lot well, more on that. I was just just sitting here mulling it too. I was been thinking about this as I heard about it. It was like you, it, if you do the whole grid, not only do you have your flip of the entire grid in the back, having to you know fend off and getting that experience up front, and then the the front having to fight themselves back. That middle pack has yeah. a different pack to fight against. Yes. Yeah. So think about that because your 10 is your 10, your 9, 10, 11, it's not going to matter if you're 11, 10, 9, like that middle yeah. pack right there, that's going to be an interesting thing for them too, because they're right on the line of points and how hard can they keep those points or fight for fat higher because it's a shorter race and they've got maybe not as stronger drivers in front of them. Yeah. I, don't know. I think it'd be cool. fascinating. I love it. I think that's awesome. I love, love, love it. Um, lots of merch coming out for Vegas. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Some of it's ugly. Some of it's, <laughs> some of it's like McLaren. I don't know what that is. I, uh, if you see that merch, I don't, I'm not sure what's happening there, but one thing I thought was interesting and it's not Vegas related, but Williams came out with a line of Logan Sargent merch which to me was kind of like confirming he's going to be around next year. They're saying it's limited edition or, you know, limited quantities, but I kind of feel like, why would you do that if you weren't going to keep them? So I don't or know. You limited quantities because you're just trying to get something out there to kind of give him his remembrance of being an F1 driver. <laughs> I thought that too, but I didn't want to go there. <laughs> And you said the limited quality thing. I'm like, well. I thought that last night too, but I was like, I'm just going to go with the happy. I honestly feel like I don't think he's going to lose that. Seat. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a, it's a thing or like, let's test it out. Does he have that many fans? Like, do we want to keep him? Anyways. Um, so some fun facts. This may be fun for some and not for others. Um, but Fernando has scored 76% of the team's points this season. And we have talked about that, how few points. Well, last, Lance did great last race um, in Brazil, but he hasn't scored a lot of points. So Fernando has scored 70, 75%. Um, Nico was pretty close to that. Or it's, Fernando 76. Nico has 75% of Haas's points, which, okay, Kevin Magnuson. And then... No surprise, 
Alex Albon has 95% of Williams points with Logan just scoring the one um, thanks to some disqualifications. But yeah, that is kind of crazy when you look at the percentages that way. And then there's a whole bunch more, but yeah, it's, I think, um, I think Carlos was like 50 something percent of the points. But for Charles, this is a not so fun fact. Um, he is the only driver since Checo, who did this 12 years ago, um, to have a did not finish, a did not um, start, and a disqualification in a single season. So, yeah, Ferrari. That's what I was earlier in the, this has really been a bad season for him. Last season might not have been good, but to have that kind of stat yes. on you. Yeah. You know what I heard though? And I don't know if this is true. And I didn't, I didn't really like kind of include this in my notes, but I did hear that supposedly there is some sort of a system in the car Ferrari has in the car that will shut the car down. I can't remember exactly what it was, but if he had kept going, that car could have exploded. So there's like a safety mechanism that if things are failing or whatever, it will just completely shut down. And I was wow. like, I wonder if that's true. If he had gone a little bit farther, could you that's imagine? Scary. That's very scary. Very, very scary if that is accurate. So <sighs> I know. So glad he pulled over. Glad it shut down. <laughs> if that's the case, I'm glad. I had this little wrangle adventure trying to get back to the pit. So. Yeah. <laughs> just pull over and get out yeah, <laughs> take absolutely. a walk back through the woods it'll be fine um okay let's talk about vegas so so much stuff around this race like so much stuff well, down to the last two races of the season they're back to back so we've got two more weeks this weekend vegas and then the last weekend is what abu dhabi um I have, to, I have to stop and think about Everything that. that we're about to talk about with Vegas, what I'm, you know, aside from all the construction and there's mixed emotions and all that, you know, it was just a couple months ago that they had a cyber attack in some of the yeah. largest casinos there that they had to recover from. And, mm -hmm. and it took them down, like hard down, like elevators didn't work and like it was bad. Yes. And to, to, to come out of that recovery and then go into all the stuff we're talking about, I just, chaos incarnate. Chaos, exactly. And the people of Las Vegas are not thrilled. Um, the videos that people send me of like, you know, residents going around and filming things is like, okay. Like I've seen cutting it all. Down, I feel like I've seen it all. The trees and uh, just all the, the road, and I'm not happy with the road closures and just all of it. It's just it's nuts. So this isn't the first time F1 has had um, a GP there. Back in the early '80s, they raced there two times, and it was in the Caesars parking lot. And I kind of wish I would have taken a screenshot of what that looked like, but it looked a lot more fun than what we have for this year, <laughs> as far as track goes, because it was a lot of this, like you know, a lot of this. Um, so Liberty Media and F1 are, are promoters of this race, and that's different than a lot of the other races. They do help promote Miami, um, but this is kind of like F1 is really it for, for this. Um, other countries do pay a hosting fee, and it will range from $20 million, which is Monaco, up to $57 million on the high end this year, which is Azerbaijan. Um, I can always have, a, have to stop and think about that. 
F1 actually bought the land where the paddock is. It's 39 acres, 300,000 square foot um, paddock building um, for about, they bought the land for like 240 million. And the reports are, it costs about the same to build that whole paddock area. So what we're in for like half a billion dollars just for that part of it. Um, that building will become the U.S. headquarters for F1. Um, so that's, I mean, at least they're going to put it to use, I guess, after the race. <laughs> but they're going all in. So tickets. Initially, the tickets. We talked about this many times on the podcast, especially when they first went on sale. But even like standing room only tickets were going for like, I swear, $1,000 at the time. Like, ridiculous. And they kept saying like tickets are sold out, they're sold out, they're sold out. Apparently that was just a big fat lie. Um because they still have like at least 10,000 tickets is one of the things I've seen still available. Ho hotel room prices on the strip were going for thousands of dollars a night and now they're back down to normal weekend Vegas pricing which is about 280-ish dollars just depends on where you're staying. Um Sorry to interrupt, but it's interesting to have 10,000 seats potentially still open considering they had to shut down that one grandstand. They just stopped. They just decided not to build it. They couldn't get it done or whatever the reasons were. And they upgraded all of those people to a better package for free. Mm -hmm. And that you, you, so those tickets reduced the amount available and they still have that many available. So that, yeah. that's crazy. Yes. Yeah. It's, kind of insane to me um how much and you still have that much so yeah yeah so they're saying that the ticket prices for the race just to get into the race have dropped 35 percent just in the last month so like i was saying they started off about two grand and now like grandstand tickets are available for three days like a thousand dollars so pretty that's like a 50 percent drop there um, and then the tickets, if you just want to go to practice and qualifying, because they're really pushing these one day tickets have dropped 50% and 60% respectively. So quality tickets have dropped 60%, but that's probably because who the F wants to sit in the freezing cold at midnight, which is what time quality starts in Vegas. Yeah, I'm Pass. looking at a website. Perfect. Friday, you can get 466 mines in euros, euros. Um, but for the weekend, they're, they're pretty pricey on there for what they have. It, it's yeah. still, it's like for the weekend, it's like 1800 for all three. Yeah. That's kind of what I, I, I jumped on like a week one. or two. Yeah, like a week or two ago, I jumped on SeatGeek or something like that. And the three-day tickets were still over $1,000. So um, it's going to be it's still high, but not nearly as high as what it was. And again, they have all of these extra tickets available. So they, it was not the sellout like they thought it was going to be. And, and remember, this is being promoted by F1. So their promotion of this started way back with the first race. If you watch their social media, they were promoting this at other races with like the sequin jackets that they were giving everybody and I mean, they have been talking about this nonstop and generating or trying to generate excitement for it. And initially it hit and then it was like, nope, <laughs> I'm out, <laughs> like I'm done. So the weather has been a big topic. And listen, I'm just going to say this. I've seen so many TikToks and memes and just reports on it. 
how many times on this website have I said, it is going to be cold. The desert is cold. If people are thinking that Vegas is hot, yes, it's hot in the summer, hot in the spring, hot in the, you know, early fall. In the winter, it can be very, very, very windy. The winds that come through there are ridiculous. It is very cold. The temperature, as soon as the sun drops, the temperature drops like crazy. So to it's me, crazy. it's ridiculous that people are just now figuring out it's going to be cold there <laughs> during the race. And supposedly F1 came out and admitted that they didn't realize how cold it was going to be. And it's like, what? You could really? easily go back and look at the years <laughs> and what the weather looks like. Check the weather reports, people. So they're saying it's going to be the coldest GP ever. It's um, supposed to be five degrees or 41 degrees Fahrenheit. I just pulled up Vegas on my phone. And next Saturday, I think it was more like 50. Hang on. But obviously that can change. Um, so it may be the coldest race. We'll have to see. It could warm up a little bit. Um, the straights, there's a lot of straights on this track. So it's going to be really hard to warm up the tires. Like there is no, and they're not traditional. Like the turns that they do have aren't really like traditional F1 turns. So how do you warm up the tires? It's going to be, I've heard it's going to be like driving on ice. So that could be so interesting. There was a report that it might rain, but when I just checked the weather app, it's not showing rain at all. So it'll probably be super nice during the day, but cold at night. I do have an image comparing the original one to the current one. Cause oh. when we were talking, I made the magic oh. happen. So. Let's see it. Yes. Cause you can see like, yes, look at all that. Doesn't that first one on the left, if you please go on our YouTube channel and watch this. So the one on the left was what was in the Caesars um, parking lot back in the eighties. That looks way more fun, right? Like more, more curves, more chicanes, like a couple of long straights, but compared to the one on the right, which is the pig in a poke, the pig in a poke. <laughs> but look, the whole thing is practically straight. I see like one chicane. There's a little bump out, a little yeah. bit of a like curve. It's mostly straights. So again, in the cold, what are you going to do? This could be so slippery. I don't know. I'm hoping lane. for this is the pit lane. Is that the, the, the pit lane that upper the, the foot, the, the hind foot of the pig? Um, oh, I've got a picture that shows what we're talking about. No one's seen the memes that the track is being compared to being looking like yeah. a pig. But doesn't the, the one on the left look way more cool? Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. Looks like an F1 race versus this is, yeah. It looks like the highway. Okay. Yeah, it does. Like just veer right, you know, at the top over there on the left. Like you just veer. It doesn't right. look much different than a NASCAR race. I mean, oh gosh, is not NASCAR just in an oval? It's just not oval, but I mean, it's just it, there's it's that's ovalish, but just a little bit more added to it. If you think about it. <laughs> yeah, there's no in and out. Most most F1 tracks are like that one. Look, they would go in and out, and you know, yeah. get in Miami and cross, hit a crossover. I mean, there's yeah. some cool stuff, and and they double back on each other, and it's really cool because when you're watching the race, you can see across it. I know in the city it's a little different. I mean, look, yeah, not to compare it to other city ones, but I still think other city ones have a little more excitement. I know Monaco yeah. does. Monaco 
had some really I, cool ones in it. I feel like Singapore, like I, I now I'm trying to remember the Singapore track. Um, hang on. Because like they're for sure an all street track. Cause some of them aren't all like some are public streets, some are not. Um, hang on. Well, I think it was it. Uh, Azerbaijan is all street, right? Yep. And it does yep. have a long street, but it's got a lot of windies and turns and whatnot in it. Yeah. Hang on. What did I just say? I was looking. Oh, Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, people, I'm tired. Okay. I, I'm gonna. I'm picking. Uh, I'm gonna show the pig because you know. Do the pig. Yeah. Show. So this is what's been going around. Thank you guys. Oh wait. Can I show you Singapore? This is a street track. Can you see this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's crazy, right? It's got and that's Singapore, a street track. Look at all the turns. Look at all the, yeah. yeah and it's not, yeah. So anyway. Ridiculous. But the pig is hysterical. So that's going around today. And please, again, go on our YouTube page because you can see it um, with what it looks like. And then how people have <laughs> say it looks like a pig. It totally does. Yeah. Which is not good because think of all the memes if this race is not good. If it is a chaos, maybe we could start renaming these turns as like the rump and the hindquarters and the, the snout. Pigfoot. Lucky Pigfoot. Yeah. You gotta wreck the snout. <laughs> I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping oh, that it's man. a good race. I really, really am because guess what? It's on the calendar for nine years after this. So. Um, I'm really hoping that it's good, but I feel like there's a lot of nervousness that it's going to be terrible. Um, well, and the people in Vegas need to see some results. Like I, I, I don't, I mean, I've not checked into the politics of it and the taxes, but you know, they, it's costing a ton of money Yes, and there's a lot of inconvenience, even if everyone's paying for it or whoever the sponsors, it's the inconvenience and what it's doing to some of the iconic views of the strip. I mean, you know, I, oh, I lived there in Arizona for a while and yeah. went to Vegas a bunch and I love the strip. I love the iconic yeah. views of it. And, yeah. you know, there's all kinds of, you know, people clutching their pearls, as you would say, Think about the four trees that just got unceremoniously ripped out recently and, and, yeah. and all of that. So it's, yeah. It'll and those trees were necessary. Like some, I've seen some people say, well, like they're going to replant them, but then they're just going to rip them out next September or October whenever they start building again. And I think that's part of the issue is like, you don't just put this together in, I mean, they're, they just finished the track like a week ago. So, it, but it takes months to put all of this stuff together. <clears throat> and so they're saying like from basically August, or September through December, there's a whole bunch of people that are not going to go to Vegas um, for a vacation. There's conventions that are going to go someplace else. Although Bravo just had BravoCon there last week. Um, but overall, people are going to avoid it because you don't see those iconic landmarks. You're not seeing the Bellagio Fountains. You're not seeing the um, canals at Venice. Construction. It's just construction everywhere. I guess since they finished it last week, I guess the traffic is getting better. Um, but it's just, I don't know. They they did, really they're going to do that for nine years and that's going to be their headquarters. They need to come up with a way, use the, the engineering prowess that we have in F1 and get some engineers to figure out how to make 
the setup and tear down more efficient and less burdensome to the citizens of Vegas yeah. and yeah. the rest of the industry there, right? Yes. Um, because granted, it's going to bring in a lot of money, but how is that going to help everybody? Right. How is it going to back to helping the people who had work up their lives for convenience? Okay, I don't know if it's going to reduce their taxes, but it's not going to take back the three, three, six, three to four months of the year, one third mm -hmm. to one fourth of your one fourth to one third of your year is yeah. you regret. And it's around the holidays. I mean, ugh. yeah, yeah. Because the holidays are really pretty, like, you know, places will really, you know, decorate on the outsides and stuff. And I think it's just kind of, I don't know, in a way it's disappointing. And it and it makes me think, like, what happens in places like Singapore or Azerbaijan? Like, what is it like going up, leading up to their GP? Do you have the same kind of issues? Yeah. Um, it just kind of makes me wonder. The other thing that I feel like F1 got lucky with and it was smart of the union. So the culinary union and the bartender union for the win, MGM and um, Caesars were actually threatening to go on strike. And the strike was supposed to start Friday and just Saturday or Friday evening for two. And then I think early Saturday morning for one of them, they announced that they had reached a tentative agreement. So they won't go on strike. But those three um, companies run 18, 18 of the hotels on the strip. Can you imagine if you got these people coming in and F1, which needs to put on, you know, the best show and you have your bartenders and your culinary workers on strike, like bravo to the unions for utilizing this event and the upcoming Super Bowl, which is also going to be in Vegas um, in at the beginning of February to their advantage. Um, so I say good for them, but the MGM head has been, bragging about how the race is going to bring 60 million extra dollars just to their properties. I'm like, okay, you got the money. Like, we're going through all bragging. Don't be bragging, Don't be bragging and then not be helping the workers because that's exactly. just capitalist. Yeah, we won't even get into that. Exactly. Yeah, that like, hmm. I do hope we get to see some sort of a breakdown after the race. Like how much money did it really bring in? Because there's been a lot of talk about like it's supposed to bring in you know, tens of millions more than the Super Bowl they're expect, you know, is supposed to bring in. But with all of like now the hotel rooms prices are lower with all these tickets that are still available. I'm still very curious what the end numbers are going to look like. And I don't know if we'll ever hear the real especially, ones. But I'm curious. You're, that's true. But especially the amount that came in versus the outlay compared to the yeah. Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is going to bring in so much. Oh, it brings in less. Yep. Yeah, but the city doesn't have to spend near as much money to yeah. bring in the Super Bowl and they don't have to inconvenience their citizens for four months because of the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they do bring in like the NFL experience and all these really fun things, but those are usually held in an existing um, yep. facility. So like, um, you know, what do you call those? Um, there. A civic center or, I mean, and there's tons of huge ballrooms and in, in places. Oh, the convention Vegas. center there is massive. And there's, yes. that's just one convention center. There's like a couple Hilton has their own convention center. I mean, there's like all kinds of stuff on top of stadiums on top of, you know, there's, I yes. mean, Vegas is a convention town. So there's exactly. plenty of places. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. Yes. It's not so much of an inconvenience to everybody to, yes, they might bring in more with F1, but they cost more. So what's the net? Right. I would love to know the net revenue. Yes. 
we're going to have to keep an eye on that. I don't, it might be a while before we hear those numbers and who knows if we'll get accurate numbers, but I really am curious as what does the final look like? Because that could make a big um, thing for the sure. <laughs> What's that? I was getting this slide ready to show the curves. We're coming up to that oh. axis. It <laughs> at it. Like, oh, premature. Other thing that I noticed the other day, because I do follow um, the Vegas GP social media. So we know that this is a, a street track, right? We talked about that, blah, blah, blah. What I think is really interesting is that on Thursday, the roads are going to be open to the public until five o'clock. FP1 starts at 8.30 p.m. So you're going to have all kinds of regular vehicles, trucks, whatever, on the roads three and a half hours before the first practice starts. Let's hope there's not a major accident. Well, there's that. Then you think about all the stuff that can fall off of cars. When are they doing the track walk? Because I didn't see anything about a closure for a track walk on Wednesday so everything's back up today a day because the race is actually on Saturday. So we have qual our practices on Thursday. There's an opening ceremonies on Wednesday. When are you doing the track walk? Like, I don't know when that happens, but the road opening and closing. So closes at five, then um, it's closed until 2 a.m. when it will start to reopen and it's going to be fully reopened at 4 a.m. for local traffic. Same thing on Friday and Saturday. How, how, why I could not find anything about like the Singapore's or the other street tracks that are opening and closing the roads. And I fully get that people that work in the casinos need to go to work, but I'm guessing if you're working the early shift, you're, you know, are you getting off by two? The people who might get off at two in the morning, they have to wait till four in the morning to leave work. Like, I don't get how that works, but I couldn't find anything specific about them doing this in the other cities. However, I was seeing a lot of comments where people were saying they don't do this at other tracks. So in Singapore and stuff, they're not yeah. opening and closing the roads. Well, and the thing that gets me is, I mean, I don't know if it's for the workers so much because they could have easily, and I say easily, maybe sounding naive, but being in Vegas and knowing about the monorail that runs through Vegas, right? They could mm. have increased the monorail service. They could have had certain cars specifically tied off to be for employees only, right? Yeah. And if they increase their services and then shuttled them, use the monorails to get them out of the track area into an off track area and then get them to their cars. So there, there are ways, yes, the employees would have to maybe plan a little earlier and then, then the then the hotels, because they're making much more money, need yeah. to complicate, compensate them for the employees taking longer to get to work because of the F1 race. Yeah. Then they could have potentially kept everything shut down unless they needed open for just other stuff. But yeah, it, I I don't recall that. I thought like once Monaco shut down, it shut down. Yeah. Monaco is like that. It's it shut all down. All people who live there and all the businesses, but they deal with it. And I thought it was right. the same for all the other city tracks because there's so much. Wow, what they're going to have to do to make sure the track is clear and that's clean. my thing. And, and the, there's just major accident right before. Right. And just the integrity of the track, like, is, are they going to come through with like, you know, sweepers and make sure nothing's left on the track? What if, you know, somebody squeals out, like what if rubber's on the track? Like 
I just feel like the overall integrity of the track every day and even hours before the race, hours before the race. You and frankly, are- and frankly, and I hate to say this, our recording is going on Tuesday before the race. And it, no, I, we don't have enough listeners for this to like spurn any ideas or anything, but you know how volatile things are in the U.S. And especially with mm-hmm. politics, especially with people's opinions and, and people get that heated about sports and all that kind of stuff. Who's to say some whack job doesn't decide to go and take their big old truck and gouge the road right before or in between yeah, and screw up and, and hurt the road. They cannot stop that. They're not going to have police and people watching every vehicle. If the roads are open, they, they lose so much integrity in that road. And the, and the difference, like you were saying, like people spinning out, just, just laying down rubber with other cars being on there and oil dripping and cars that are having, freeze dripping and like, Oh, Oh, my brain's going nuts now. Oh my God. What are they doing? That just shocked me. I honestly was like, "Uh, that can't be right. And it's on the Vegas GP every day. They're like road closures. And I was like thinking, okay, they're going to close the road like Tuesday night. So Wednesday, the teams go out and do their track walks and you know, all of that stuff. And I was like, am I reading this correctly? Like it's open until five and then we're going to shut it down. And then how do you make sure that you've got everybody out of there? Somebody could just be popping themselves, you know, in there and and hide until the race starts. I don't know. It's so bizarre. Anyways, we'll have to keep an eye on that too. This is why I'm like, I'm hopeful that this race goes off well, but I also feel like this race is going to could has the potential to be a complete and utter shit show. Um, Okay, the, let's go to the grid and the paddock design. So again, if you're on our um, YouTube page, you will see the curbs. This is kind of cute. The curbs all have hard suits painted on them. So they've got the diamonds and the clubs and whatever hearts. Spades. <coughs> what are those other? Oh, spades. That's what it's called. I always forget that one. Um, so I think that is really kind of fun. I love it. You're bringing in your own. Nobody else has done that in their cities. So I love that. I think it's awesome. Apparently above the garages, I don't know if the teams got to select their cards or they just have cards, but there's um, playing card designs kind of on either side of their names. So there was a picture of, um, I think it was Alfa Romeo and they had a six of hearts and then a club of clubs, which I don't even know what that is, but it's just was a club card, which looked very cool. Like I think that I love bringing in those little aspects of Vegas, the, you know, the gambling and the Vegas little aspects that I think is amazing. I think that's super cute. The the other picture we have is of pit lane. Oh, the pit lane. Let's talk about that. Or wait. Yeah. Let's just talk about it. No, that's okay. So this is another issue that people started noticing online. Um, a picture came out of the finished, what what I say that cost. The land cost $240 million and supposedly that building, which I do love the giant F1 on the top of it, um, is the pit building, the paddock area, um, cost maybe another $240,000. But of course, people were like so quick to notice the pit lane exit. And we go this way, right? So... The pit yeah, lane right above exit. The star and the Heineken, which, by the way, this is the back foot of the pig. Okay. <laughs> I still love that. So, okay. So 
here is where this could get really dangerous. One, we know how the teams are kind of sitting or not really sitting. They're very slowly rolling at the end of the pit lane and they start gathering up. This is also going to be a blind curve. Looks like it is also um, on the racing line where the pit exit actually happens. There's no monitor. Like in Monaco, they have um, something sort of similar-ish, but they have a like a board. So the drivers that are coming into that turn can see yeah, if there's anybody loop. coming out. Yep, uh, anybody is coming um, out. They don't have that here as of yet. We still have a few days. Maybe they're going to put it up. But this could be very dangerous as is it seems to be a blind curve and on the racing line to have cars, especially during qualifying, coming out. Somebody's on a fast lap and you've got a slow car coming out of the, the, the pits and you don't know there's a car coming out and you're on a racing line. This could be scary and it's yeah. narrow by the way the, the back leg uh, the upper right hand corner see the arrows going up and around that's where yep. that is this could be very very scary to say the least so maybe hopefully they're reading the comments and they'll put up a board or a video uh, or something <laughs> there but that's going to be interesting it's going to be interesting. very, very interesting. It's, pretty, though. it's all lit up very pretty. Since yeah. it's going to be at night, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I can't wait to hear what the drivers have to say. I know Max was quoted this week saying like he needs to get on the simulator. The one time that he'd been on there, he said he was um, in the walls more than he was on the streets. So, I, you know, I don't know if he just did a one. Well, went off but we saw that video of somebody took from a high rise of a car out track you know testing the track we don't know what car it was whose it was the the whole background it behind was, it. yeah it was slipping a little bit around the curb so that it's yeah it's gonna be interesting it's so going to be very interesting um right. there are already some special liveries mm -hmm. and some special helmets i think we'll hear more um announced this week but ferrari was they were big teases this week with um, the release of their livery. So we've got the white Ferrari on the back. We've got the white line on the red. I like it. I, like it. I, like I do it. like it. Yeah, I like the white Ferrari. It, it um, screams like classic race car to me. Like it's yes. just vintage, you know? I, I really like it. Very, very much so. And they have their, their special overalls um, also, which I love. I don't love the sweatshirts as much, which we don't have a picture of, but um, if you go to our social media, it, to me, my first thought was thing one and thing two, because it's a big circle in the middle with their numbers. And like, and you know, I love my Ferrari guys. It's not, it's not in a mean way. I just find it hysterical. Um, but yeah, that is the designer that's with Carlos and Charles. Yeah, Joshua Fetus, our Fetus, um, from mm -hmm. the Puma Designs. Yeah. Yeah. You, love it. Designer. I love it. I can't wait to see it on the circuit. It's going to be so cool. I love it. We know that Red Bull will have their fan design livery. I don't think I've seen it yet. So if I 
if it's out there, I'm sorry. I, I missed it. I'm super busy. I, um, I took their Twitter before this, so they don't have it posted yet. Okay. So. so that will be coming out this week and we'll share that. Um, and then Max has already released his Vegas helmet, which again, if you're on our YouTube, you can see. I love the lion at the top. I think that's his lion at the top. Um, yeah. It's got Las Vegas across the back, little playing cards and a roulette wheel. Um, it looks cool. Yeah. I wonder I if this is cool. like, I wonder if this will be like a tip off to what the actual livery will look like. If it will have kind of those neon ish colors. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe That's it's a little thought. preview. Could be a little preview, but I bet there will be more. Like, I think I'll be a little sad if I don't have like a special helmet from Valtteri who does, you know, to me, he's the king of the special lids. Even Lando, like Lando does such a good job with his, like, so I'm going to be a little bummed if I don't see some more special helmets. Um, okay, let's talk about race weekend. So Wednesday is the opening ceremony. I don't think we've ever had an opening ceremony before. It's like the Olympics. Um, so the, <laughs> they're going to have an opening. They did some pre-race stuff in Miami, right? Kind of hype. Yeah, but that up. was like the morning of the day. Yeah, that's not what they yeah. before. So this actually is going to have, all 20 drivers are going to be there. They are going to do driver introductions, allegedly. So let's pray to God that they're better than the ones that they did in Miami with their lame, like, intros. <laughs> Those were so cringy. Um, they have nine legendary musical artists. So they've got Andre Day, Bishop Briggs, Journey, Keith Urban. They kind of have, like, they got some DJs, Steve Ioki, um, 30 Seconds of Mars, Blue Man Group, Cirque du Soleil. Like they've got all of these people that are going to be out there. You can watch it on F1's YouTube channel or ESPN2. So I definitely want to tune in. Um, they're going to do fireworks, a drone show. So it's going to be a huge, huge spectacle, right? It's going to be insane. So I kind of can't wait to watch it because um, I love a crazy spectacle. Um, Thursday is FP1 and FP2. Friday, we've got FP3 and qualifying. Saturday is the race. It is not a Sunday race. I think the times uh, freaking US and Europe, it is actually horribly early in the morning Friday. Yeah. So Europe, for us Europeans, it's like five for me in Germany, it's 5:30 in the morning for FP1 and 9 in the morning for FP2 on Friday. And, and yeah. I heard that they moved it like this to cater to the Europeans, but I don't know how 530 in the morning caters to me. No. And that's what all the Europeans are saying is like 6 a.m. is not convenient. And and it's so stupid to me. Like, here's another major issue with this race. It's 530 in the morning for UK. Who picked the times? Who picked the times for this? Like, nobody's Nobody in America. You've got the East Coast. I'm even, well, now I think Vegas is one hour behind me because we don't change times here in Arizona or my part of Arizona, but I don't want to say, I'm not staying up at one o'clock in the morning to watch qualifying. Even if I think it's going to be a shit show, I'm not staying up at to 1 AM when it's when it starts and ends at two and people on the East coast, that's 3 AM their time. Who planned this? You want people in the U S to like stay involved with F1 or draw more people into F1. Nobody's staying up to watch it. They're just not going to. And then like the, the European times work. I don't understand the Mexico times work, Brazilian times work. They're, they're all in American well, time zones. Like right. I don't, I don't, I don't understand the problem. I just don't. Well, I, don't 
I and then I'm wanting to have a night race, but it's daylight savings time and it gets dark at like 530. So you could start the night race at 7 p.m. Yes, that's still like 9 p.m. for the East Coast. And then I don't know what that is for you people in Europe, but like 3, 3, 3 a.m. <laughs> Listen, it's not like I haven't had to get up at four or whatever, 5 a.m. to watch a race. But still, like, come on. Why? 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 Maybe I honestly would rather the, the two or three in the morning because I would just stay up for the night before because, you know me, I'm a night owl. But now right. I'm like, how am I going to do my weekend? Because it's, and that's a work day. It's a work day that it's at 5.30 in the morning. I'm, yeah. I'm usually snoring and blowing bubbles at 5.30 in the morning. So <laughs> I know. And then Wait, 10, is and that then right? Because it's at Saturday. 9.30 at night for me on Friday. Yeah, it's 5.30 in the morning because I am now um, eight hours ahead of you. So it's 5.30 in the morning for me on Friday. Mm. And then 9 in the morning because that's 1 a.m. is your quality. quality yeah. is 9 for me. Yeah. And then Saturday, it's 5.30 in the morning for FP. They call it FP3. Oh, I'm sorry. FP3. Sorry, FP2. And then FP3. And then quality is at 9 a.m. Yeah. And then the race is at 7 a.m. I mean, that's still not bad. Most of the races I have to get up at 6 a.m. to watch. But, like, I just don't understand it. Like, there's no way I'm watching quality at 1 o'clock. I'm not even sure I'm going to watch the race at 11. I have a football game that I'm going to that night. And I think it's at night. I don't know. They haven't decided the time. But um, Miss Universe is on. Like, so I'll be up. Like, but do I want to then stay up from 11 to 1 o'clock to watch the race? I don't know. I don't know. I can't sleep in in the mornings. It's terrible. Um, okay. So anyways, it's 50 laps, two DRS zones at 6.201 kilometers, tons of straights like we've already showed you. But guess who's fast on the straights? Williams. Williams. <laughs> They're one of the teams that's fast on the straights. But oh my gosh, I would absolutely die to have Williams like just kill it in Vegas. They need the points. They need to stay ahead of Alfa Tauri right now. They're only, well, what, seven points? There's got to be a couple of slow corners, especially around the pig's hind quarters, the hind legs. Yeah, I mean, for sure, gonna... that will be slow. Will be... <laughs> and they were talking about this last race in Brazil, about the slow corners, even Mexico, like the slow corners and how well like McLaren and Alphatari and some of those were performing with slow corners versus yeah. Red Bull was not performing well with the slow corners. And this this one seems to kind of a mix, like a couple of slows and the rest of the team are pretty fast. So yeah. that would be interesting too. That will be, I'm, I am very, very curious. I mean, I'm sure everybody is. It's the first time we've had this track and it's new for everybody. F1 is saying it should be, the speed should match Monza, which is known as the Temple of Speed. So they are thinking it's going to be really quick. However, if if it's slick, I don't know how quick it's going to be. So in the corner at the pit, at the pit lane exit, it just dawned on me, like all of them came together. Um, the science hit me. Most people come out of the pit, especially when they're doing their pit lane strategy and they've got their their lead and they're trying to come out and accelerate pretty hard, right? To just to, to stay ahead. Yeah. They can't do that in that corner. No. I don't know how you can do it there. Oh my God. So interesting. There could be lots of overtaking, which would be fun because we had that in Brazil. Like that was so much fun. I don't yeah. know. My hope is like, this is a really awesome race. I hope there's lots of overtaking. I hope that it is very fast. We just don't know. And I think there's so many variables between the weather and the track and 
you know, everything else that it could, it could also be terrible. And then we have nine years of that. Or I would hope that they would switch the the times. Like you can't yeah. have it in the summer, but you could maybe do it in the spring or the early fall. Like, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Beyond the grid, beyond the grid. We'll have, I know we'll have a lot to talk about next Sunday. Holy. Oh, it's going to be insane. <laughs> it's going to be great. So beyond the grid, there was a great article about Joe um, talking about how grateful he is to be an F1, the sacrifices that his family made for him to do that. They moved to um, England, I think when he was like 12, just what it means to him and his family and to be the first Chinese driver um, in F1 history. So very, very interesting. Definitely. If you find it, go give it a read. This is one thing I'm looking forward to. And I didn't get tickets, although I got an email this morning that was like, there could be changes um, where they might need more people. And I'm thinking, don't tease me. Like either I'm in or I'm out. But on Tuesday, you know, I'm going to be in front of my TV. They have the Netflix golf, uh, Netflix cup golf tournament in Vegas. So they announce the pairings. We've got Lando Norris is with Ricky Fowler, who I think you could not have put two nicer people together. Lando is adorable and super nice. And Ricky Fowler is one of the nicest people I think on the PGA tour. So love that pairing so much. Carlos is with Justin Thomas. Pierre is with Colin Morikawa. Um, and then Alex is with Max Homa. So the way they're going to do it, and I'm, I am going to explain this to you guys, even if you don't care about golf, but I do, and this is going to be really fun. So they're playing at the win. Each team is going to play um, eight holes of match play. So they're supposedly going to have some surprise challenges along the way. Um, at the end of match play, the two, um, the top team from each foursome is going to compete head to head um, in a playoff hole. Then they're crowned the winner. So match play for this is they're going to do a scramble. So what happens is all four, we'll just talk about one team. Both driver, both uh, players will tee off and then they decide whose ball do we want to use. So you pick the better of the two, usually the farthest or the one that's in the fairway or, you know, whatever. And then from there, they each take a turn hitting a ball from that location and they just keep repeating that until the ball goes in the hole. And then whoever has... Um, the lowest hole, they the lowest score they win. So Norris and Signs are going to be in a foursome. So they'll go against each other. And then Pierre and Alex will go against each other and they'll be a foursome. Marshawn Lynch, who is a former uh, football player, um, NFL football player. <laughs> I find him hysterical. He is, I, I don't know how much he knows about golf. So it could be really funny. He's going to be one of the hosts. There's, I think, four of them. So I literally cannot wait for that. Obviously, you can watch it live on Netflix. Um, I'm hoping I'm watching it live in person. I will get on a plane Monday and come back late Tuesday night. <laughs> I'll just take one day off. So fingers crossed. But yeah, that in and of itself, I'm looking forward to almost as much as the race. There we go. <laughs> I'm very frank because I, the only golf I've ever played as a is best ball. So that's like... It, not quite best ball, but it starts out yeah. as best ball. And then yeah. you kind of change. I like that. That's a cool way of playing. I yeah. Like I think it's good. And I love the pairings with the pros. I mean, like you, Carlos and Lando play a lot. I think Pierre does. Alex absolutely does. And his girlfriend, you know, plays professional golf. Um, so I think we've got some good 
uh, pros and then obviously good drivers. So it's going to be so interesting. I can't wait. I really wish I was there watching it though. We'll see. I, I have no problem getting on a plane. Hello, Netflix people or the IOTA or whatever they're called that I had to sign up with. I just need to go on and, and, and set up like a pigs in a blanket stand and they can wrap. <laughs> I don't want to cook on my time off. I don't even like to cook normally. <laughs> oh, let me outsource it. I'm just saying the theme. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. I love that you're like, we would outsource that. Being <laughs> fun, cracking all the pig jokes in the baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, so we've got a lot of stuff happening, like basically starting Tuesday. It's it's on. It's on. So we're, we need to be ready and we'll have lots to talk about next week. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to try to stay up for them. We'll see. This is some odd times for me, but we'll see. All right, cool. That was awesome. Yeah. All right. We'll see everyone next week. Have Bye. fun. Chat with us. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and a review. To stay up to date with She Loves the Grid and get all the behind-the-scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at She Loves the Grid and on Facebook at facebook.com slash She Loves the Grid. Thank you for joining us for the ride this week. Mm -hmm.